0: You still got one thing that's more important than anything, Johnny. What's that? Time. You still have time. Yeah. Time for what? Meet someone new? Change your life? what you want to do
1: hey guys this is Ralph Macchio hey what's up y'all this is William Sapka you're listening to Cobra Kai Companion the podcast
0: Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion and I am Peter and I'm Tom and we're back with another review this time uh, season two episode six take a right
2: yes Uh just got done re-watching it for I don't know how many times I've watched it to be honest with you
0: it's a good one and you know to take something that Brianna said um, in the last episode like I love this episode because it hurts it, it, it does, but I also thought
2: it was a really good uh, episode for character development with the Cobra and miyagi
0: students. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We get that in here as well. Um, but how you been, sir? It's been a while since we've recorded.
2: I've uh, been doing good. I've uh, been enjoying my summer. had a great 4th of July, got to spend some time with the wife, uh, got a nice 4-day weekend away from
0: the office, and uh, recharged my batteries. That's great to hear. I did a little bit of that myself. Do you have the type of dogs that uh, are scared of fireworks?
2: Yes. And on top of that, uh, I would say I live maybe 200 feet away from where the local fireworks go off every year.
0: Oh, no. So, yeah. yeah, Must have been an interesting night for you guys. It was, yes. A lot of uh, dog cookies were handed out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I had all of last week off. It was a... um, pretty much a staycation. You know, the family and I, we went out to the beach, um, you know, stayed stayed overnight there. Had a good time, recharged a little bit, but you know, life gets in the way, work, uh, and all that stuff. So that's why we have not put out an episode in a while, you know, but uh we're here to do this again. Uh I think I've mentioned before we have actually we have two interviews that that we can drop. One is actually like a bonus interview kind of um not somebody from season two, but a uh somebody from the Credit Kid universe. So so we have episodes that are recorded and it's just a matter of getting them edited and put out for you guys. So uh we do appreciate everyone's um patience. You know, I, we did get an email from somebody who I've never interacted with on social media. And they were just like, hey, just, you know, making sure that we were still alive, basically, poking <sighs> us with a stick. <laughs> and so that was really nice to hear. And, you know, I'll definitely read that email when we get to it. Yeah. All right. So, again, this one, season two, episode six, this episode, uh, uh Take a Right, was written by The Big Three and directed by Josh Heald which we kind of learned that with season one, he also directed episodes five and six. And it was, you know, kind of a uh, mid-season finale and a mid-season premiere, basically. Kind of the same thing with this. Um, Overall, I thought it was another great episode. Um, uh, A lot of moments I just wanted to scream, you know, F you at the screen uh, because of things that happened and for the way the big three was making me feel.
2: Yeah. Uh, if you judge the episodes individually as opposed to the seasons as a whole, I'd say that this is definitely one of the stronger entries this year.
0: Yeah. Um, now, the, the title is a very obscure line. Uh, do you happen to know what the reference is?
2: No. No, I do not.
0: See, the reason I feel that the line is so obscure, remember um, my first podcast, Hydrate Level 4, Mm-hmm. anybody that didn't really know Back to the Future would be like, well, what the hell does that even mean? Well, take a right. Well, you know, it can be simply taking a right. But there's a line uh, from the first Karate Kid. It's right when the Cobras pull up at the beach. And Tommy, he tells Johnny that he's setting a trend. Take a right. Check it out. You know, that's the line that he says. So take a right is is Tommy's line. And this episode is Tommy's episode.
2: Nice. Very nice.
0: Yeah, you have to be obscure because if he says something, you know, if the episode was like, take a worm for a walk week, you know, something like that. (laughs) are a little on the nose. So, um, yeah, again, directed by Josh Heald. As always, uh, Amy S. provided us with the episode summary. And in this episode, Johnny works to find the culprits behind the Miyagi-Do vandalism, not realizing that Kreese is undermining him the entire time. Meanwhile, Team Daniel starts to repair the damage and gain some new allies in the form of Cobra Kai defectors. However, Daniel's preoccupation with Miyagi-Do puts a strain on his relationship with Amanda. Elsewhere, Johnny gets some unexpected news about an old friend and goes on a road trip for one last OG Cobra Kai hurrah. And thank you, Amy, for that. Thank you, as always. Yeah, so, um, I don't know, I guess we'll just kind of jump into it, but uh, it's a very interesting Uh, cold open. What we saw at the end of the last episode, well, aside from, you know, the confrontation between Johnny and Daniel inside Cobra Kai, we also saw the Miyagi-Do backyard just trashed, right? Uh, Medal of Honor was stolen and all of that. This episode opens up with, you know, we don't see who it is. We see some painting the fence and just beautifying, right, the backyard of uh, Miyagi's house. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, I remember when I first saw it, I thought it was just uh, them picking the pieces back up after the damage
0: had been done by the Cobras. Exactly. I thought the exact same thing. And then we get the transition. Well, first off, we get a Miyagi sighting, you know, walks into the frame halfway, then transitions into Daniel. And it's like, ah, remember what happened last episode, suckers? You know, know, (laughs) we get a little kick in the balls there and uh, we get to see it trashed. Now... Tom, do you remember like a previous Q&A? I, th- I think we've done 10 at this point, uh, probably like 50 that we haven't yet covered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, but uh, at one point, I think somebody brought up like bringing back Miyagi. And you and I had this discussion because um, what is that character that uh, in Star Wars that they brought back um, at the end of was it was it Rogue One?
2: No. Grand Moff Tarkin?
0: Him. Yes. And uh, I think you asked, you know, if I wanted something like that, where it's a character who looked or an actor that looked like him, or do we did we want like CGI Miyagi? And mm-hmm. I think this was great. We had a stand in, we didn't need to see the face. It's clearly Miyagi. And I I think that was a great way to go about it. Yeah, I, I thought they they handled it very tastefully. Yeah yeah so um, I like that a lot uh and also you get the beautiful Bill Conti score in the background too, which was mm-hmm. uh really really nice but um Ralph standing there looking at you know the the backyard just vandalized, can you even imagine like what's going through his head you know for um how how much time he actually spent in the actual location you know in one, two, and three and, to, and then to see this you know just vandalized like it would be surreal, yeah, yeah. We cut back to the Cobra Kai dojo and the Cobras are doing up downs. And Johnny is trying to get them to confess to, you know, who trashed the Miyagi dojo. Uh, but you know who it's not? Who's that? Raymond. Because <laughs> he knows to not disrespect another man's dojo exactly. or, like, or something yep. to that effect. So good for you, Raymond. And I actually thought that it was really Johnny was doing the right thing here. He really was. I think so. Absolutely. He just got called out for uh, not being a very good sensei and, and, and all this. So he's, you know, now he's trying to do right. Um, but what happens now is Johnny gets a call and the caller has some bad news. Yep. Uh, we don't find out what it is, but uh, from the context of the brief conversation, it sounds like it's somebody that Johnny hasn't heard from in a while.
2: Yeah. And as soon as he said, how bad is it? you knew that this uh, was more than likely going to be a medical Call.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, this is not episode 11 of season two, so we know it's not about a certain somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Hawk, he goes to Kreese and says that uh, he thinks he should tell Johnny it was him. You know, he wants to own up to it. And Kreese tells him to say nothing, that he'd handle it. Do you think that's right uh, for Kreese to say that?
2: Absolutely not. You know, I mean, uh, there, was, uh, there was already bad blood between the two schools as it was and i don't know i mean it could have been squashed right there
0: right i think you know hawk went up to crease just because of that one night where crease saw him uh, taking out his anger on the the punching bag basically mm-hmm. and um you know it i think he he can trust crease or he feels that he can trust crease at this point and that's why
2: yeah i i would say at this point that uh hawk is firmly in the palm of of crease at this point
0: yeah i I also think that he didn't want to uh want to address it in front of the class, maybe fearing that everybody would hate him. I mean, but he had a good amount of the dojo assist in that too yeah, he did but I guess it kind of shows their loyalty to not rat on hawk
2: mm-hmm
0: um Johnny tells Kreese that he has to go deal with something and asks him uh, to find out who did it and my question to you, what do you think Johnny's going to do? If and once he finds out. I'd imagine that he would probably
2: kick out the student that was responsible for it. You know, if not uh, the entire group of vandals, at least the ringleader.
0: Right. But you don't think that this is maybe something that he would go share with Daniel? Like, hey, I took care of it. Or do you think that that's uh, like Daniel doesn't need to know? Like Johnny would take care of it just on principle. You don't think that maybe he was doing it because he feels bad and then would go to Daniel to try to make amends? Uh, I think if Daniel were to
2: ask him if he found out who was responsible, he would tell him, but I don't think he would just, you know, drive over to Daniel's house or place of business and say, okay, it's this person.
0: Right. Yeah. The reason that I ask is, you know, for example, in the very first episode, you know, where Daniel uh, catches Crease and Johnny outside, Daniel was basically, he was like, okay, you know, I, I, I came here for something, but I got my answer. But Johnny mm-hmm. was basically standing there like, well, why don't you ask me anyway? Um, but, and then he even told Daniel at that point, like, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. And that seems to be a theme here. So I feel that if Johnny did find out who did it, he'd obviously address it and take care of it. But I think that he would maybe try to go reconcile with Daniel. Possibly. My opinion, yeah. I I, I would definitely like to see a little thread discussion in the group, you know, to see what uh, people think as well. Absolutely. And Dimitri, uh, Sam, and Robbie are trying to lift a big stone piece, but it's too heavy. Correct. Uh, I do
2: like the fact that eventually they figured it out in an entirely different
0: outside-of-the-box sort of way. Physics. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Some Cobras show up, and they would like to join Miyagi-Do. Uh, Robbie recognizes Chris from the brawl at the mall, but they don't want any trouble, and Chris apologizes to Dimitri for what happened.
2: And, you know, I can't really blame Dimitri for not trusting
0: these guys after what happened,
2: but it was big of Chris to kind
0: of man up and admit that he was wrong. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that was a stand-up thing to do, and... If I were Dimitri, I would also have some reservations. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd be quite as antagonistic, though. It's Dimitri. Exactly.
2: <laughs> Dimitri's mouth gets him in a lot more trouble than uh, his fists do.
0: Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and Dimitri tells Mr. L, uh, it'd be like letting the wildlings behind the wall. To which Daniel reminded him, well, didn't they help him, uh, or Jon Snow rather, uh, defeat the, the or conquer the Battle of the Bastards? Either way, it's uh, it's always a uh, a hard thing to get out geeked. Yeah. Uh, which, which by the way, great episode. Uh, the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. Satisfying. Yeah, but I think we could have been shown a little bit more of you know what in, in that particular episode, and I think that would have been even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone should have zigged and zagged when they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think people will know what I'm talking about. Um, Johnny shows up to a hospice center and is greeted by Pastor Bobby. Uh, sounds like it's been a while between them. Bobby points out that he's, Johnny's got a few more wrinkles and, and, uh, Johnny comments how he's lost his hair basically.
2: Yeah. Uh, have you ever had a a situation where you run into a group of friends that you hadn't had a chance to speak
0: to in several years? All the time, but but not in the sense like the Cobras where they were my clique like back in the day or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But definitely some people I used to hang around with like all the time. Um, you know, we we all got older, started a family, and it's just been years. But yes, I I, I still continue to uh, you know to run into people I haven't seen in years. Yeah, uh,
2: I actually had a experience not too dissimilar this past uh, Fourth of July weekend where oh. a friend came up from Florida and. Everybody that was in that group of friends got together and hung out at a bar, and it was the first time in, God, two, three years that we'd all seen each other, and it was a
0: nice feeling. Did did you guys get in a fight? Uh, I'm not allowed to discuss that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, then. Hey, t- tell me offline, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, this uh, for anybody that missed it, we did uh, interview Sensei Ron Thomas, who came back for a second time, uh, which he talked about, you know, filming this episode. And I remember sitting there. Gosh, w- w- this is episode six. We're talking about like, you know, almost three hours past nine. My time, so uh, I guess midnight-ish for me. Not too late but I was you know laying in my bed and once I saw Bobby Ron Thomas I sat up immediately and go what because I remember speaking to him the first time and you know he didn't drop any clues which you know he he couldn't but it was a nice surprise for me yes yes he has a very very
2: good poker face yes or uh, at least poker voice poker uh, voice right yes
0: yeah so it was a uh, it was really nice to see him and um at that point I I couldn't even process like, everything that was going on. And then, you know, once we started seeing, like, the others, I I nearly lost my shit. (laughs) Because, (laughs) again, like, you know, there's no clue in the title unless you... I mean, I I think once people watched the episode, they figured out where the title is referenced. But um, I I think, you know, it was such a huge surprise that, like, I I didn't even know what to feel uh, at that point. But um, I thought this was very interesting because... I know this is a huge coincidence, but Tommy happens to be in Room 112. That happens to be my favorite album from my favorite male R&B group, 112. So they have an album called Room 112. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't think it's tied to anything, but coincidentally, just last December, I reviewed that album on another podcast for its 20th anniversary. Crazy to say, 20 years from now. Hmm. So they go inside, and they see Tommy laying there, probably just finished up watching the the U.S. women's soccer team winning the uh, Women's <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> Congratulations, ladies.
2: Yes, yes. Congratulations. Do you watch soccer? I know that soccer is a thing.
0: Yes, it is a sport. Yes. I, you run around on grass, right? I believe so. Now, I don't know why there was a little bit of shade coming from Johnny, because I remember... In the first movie they played a little soccer out in the field, probably during true. recess. I don't know. I don't know if it's recess or some after school activities. I, I'm still unsure about that. But um yeah, I, I thought that was funny. But yeah. what'd you think about uh seeing Tommy in his condition here?
2: Oh, he looked rough. Yeah. He looked rough. Uh, they did a great job on the makeup, I thought.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, and for for anybody that is still watching um, these, you know, episodes on your phone, you got to watch it on, on the TV because there's so many things that you can't see on your phone, um, mm-hmm. as great as the resolution may be, but watching it on, you know, 1080p or 4K TV... You really see like the, the the makeup work. But um yeah, Tommy seems to be in pretty decent spirits, you know. I feel that his character he he's he's made peace with what is going on.
2: Exactly. Yep.
0: And I got the impression that Bobby's just getting there too, because Tommy says something to the effect of, like, oh, it looks like they already called me a priest or or something like that, where he corrects him and says it's pastor. And Jimmy. Now Jimmy is a cobra that not very many people are familiar with and I don't think many casual fans even know his name but did you recognize him off the bat the actor at all I did not no sir Yeah so that's uh, played by Tony O'Dell I follow him on Instagram um funny thing is I've actually reached out to him for like an interview too and he told, you know he said that um, in the next few months, that he would be busy, and that was pre-season two. <laughs> so a- another one of those things, like man, these guys, man, they're they're really good. Um, Tommy tells Johnny that uh, I guess the cancer is also spreading to his head.
2: Yeah, that's uh, it's never a uh, a, I don't know. I I've just had uh personal experiences and seen firsthand what cancer. Will do to a person. It's it's never never pretty.
0: Right. Same. Yeah. That's why there's those f cancer stickers and and all of that and exactly. hashtags. Yeah. Uh, I think um many of us you know have lost somebody to to cancer. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, another bit of information here. I like it when they retcon things. Um. Johnny reminds him. You know uh, that he's he's a fighter. He that uh, Tommy had beat uh, Vidal. It, to advance into the semis, which uh, Daryl Vidal it, the thing is now Johnny pronounces it uh, Vidal or something to that uh, something like that. Um, mm. When I interviewed Daryl Vidal, he said Vidal, but then when he recorded his intro for that episode, he said Vidal <laughs> or something. And it's one of those things where like uh, people pronounce it differently but the reason i'm bringing this up is you know we do have an interview with him too and that was that was a lot of fun speaking to him too uh who you know he had a small i guess cameo you can call it in in the first movie you know he was one of the fighters in the tournament so okay. uh and also credited as um coming up with the the crane kick so for anybody that's interested check that out but uh jimmy we we just briefly brought him up um he comes into the room he's on Bluetooth headset with uh, his wife, Jenny, and we find out he has kids, uh, at least a couple boys, which I'm Mm -hmm. kind of gathering. Now, Jimmy tells Tommy that, you know, Jenny and the kids say hello, and then Tommy says, well, tell Jen and the boys, you know, I said hi or something like that. So sounds like he started a family. Not sure where Bobby is at this point. Not sure about Tommy, but at least Jimmy has kids. Yes, and Johnny, I guess, has one son, so that that we know of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I like that, you know, the, the the fact that Jimmy tells Tommy, "Hey, Jen and the kids say hello." They know him, right? So, so Tommy's been around, so so he's probably Uncle Tommy to those boys.
2: Yeah, it sounds like uh, of all of the Cobras, those are the two that actually made a point to stay close.
0: I, I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, um, Bobby went off to do pastor things, (laughs) you know, uh, Johnny got drunk, Johnny got drunk, he's probably still drunk. Um, (laughs) So, you know, in in Dutch, we will find out what happened to Dutch in a little bit here. But they decide that they're going to take Tommy out for a road trip. Now, Jimmy said he spoke with a a doctor and says that Tommy can sign out for 24 hours. Do you get the impression that they knew he was dying like soon? Uh, Yeah,
2: yeah, I I think that was the whole point of that get-together.
0: And they can check Tommy out for 24 hours?
2: I don't know. I honestly, I I, I don't know how hospice works, so I'm going to have to plead ignorance on that one.
0: I would have just snuck him out, you know what I mean? Like the whole kidnapping kind of thing. (laughs) I think that would have been more thrill for them. You know, yeah. like like what the hell are these old men like breaking one guy out of the hospice care? You know, I, I think that would have been funny. That would have, yeah, yeah. So they sign him out, and they decide that you know, well, Bobby doesn't want him to die there, so they're going to go on this uh, this road trip. You know what? That's that's I think a a, a great gesture. They want to give him a wild night to remember. Exactly. So we see crease, uh he's still running drills with the cobras and pretty much says they they all did it, right? Trash the Miyagi-Do cuz they're all in it together basically. They're all Cobra Kai. And not
2: to play devil's advocate, but that's not a bad attitude to have occasionally because what one does reflects on the group. Yep. However, I don't think it's something that I I he thinks that it's uh
0: Something that should be encouraged, you know, the behavior at Miyagi-Do. Right. I actually agree with this um, because, well, Crease is a man who served in the military, as did mm-hmm. I. And, you know, you you screw up, your whole platoon screws up. Exactly. Remember that scene in Full Metal Jacket? Gomer Pyle, you know, eats or gets caught, you know, with food in his footlocker and then everybody has to pay for it? Mm-hmm. That happened to my platoon in basic training.
2: Oh boy, yeah, they oh.
0: um they have treats and donuts and what have you at the chow hall, and we are not. They've never explicitly said, but you're not supposed to touch those. And one guy grabbed one one day, and then we paid for it later that evening. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree with that. You know, that's camaraderie and. It's a way of also kind of making everybody keeping each other in check. Exactly. Kreese tells them in five minutes to report to the main dojo to begin their real training. And then we cut to Daniel, who's on the phone with Amanda, and he says he can't make the sales meeting, uh, which this is now two in a row that he's missed. And he says that he needs to be at the dojo because he's got a ton of new students.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can kind of relate to Daniel in this sense because as a podcaster, there are times where the podcast feels like it kind of takes over your life, mm-hmm. and sometimes you let things go by the wayside that maybe you shouldn't, uh, but it's never a good thing when that happens. Right. At the end of the day, it's still just a hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, I don't think Daniel's uh, really had that point-driven home to him yet.
0: Nope, not yet. Uh, and... You know, maybe it uh, it takes some rude awakening, you know, for him to realize it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dimitri and Chris are having a little spat outside, and Daniel challenges them both to work together to pick up the, the big stone.
2: And you know what? I think it's a really smart move. I mean, not to go back and forth on how I feel about Daniel, but I think it's a smart move that he's doing there, where he's getting the people that can't seem to get along and forcing them to come up with a plan together. It's, I think, a really good team building exercise.
0: I agree. I agree. The OG Cobras, uh, they're on, they're, I guess, the Harleys. I, don't, I don't know my, my bikes.
2: Now, here's the question that I've been wondering: Where did the bikes come from? Did they rent them? Did one of them just happen to have an extra three bikes that they could
0: use? Maybe Jimmy got them. Hmm. You know, maybe some arrangements were made for this. Uh, you know, for this particular Hoorah as Amy put it in her summary, but that is a very good question. And did you notice what Johnny wore on his face?
2: I know he had a windscreen that made it look like he uh, was a skull.
0: Yep, that's it. You know, they're the, the, Halloween Just like tosses. the skeleton. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I thought that was a nice touch there. They go to Big Bear Lake, and they stop by a bar. We learn that Tommy... Has once used a fake ID, and apparently it was so bad that the bartender served him uh, dishwater, which Tommy was the only one that drank, and he drank all of it. Hey,
2: you know what? Uh, Teenage boys do stupid things. I remember watching a uh, friend of mine get drunk on non alcoholic beer, so it's it's not outside the possibility that he would have
0: drank a mug full of dishwater. That's pretty funny. Um, and that, mixed with ass-kicking by Miyagi, he goes brain damage, as we found out in season one, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty good there. We also learned that Johnny was dumped by Allie for missing her birthday because he got drunk. Good reason. Yeah. Very good reason. Absolutely. You know, uh, he, he, I mean, he even says that after Allie, you know, he, he dated around and stuff, but he never really let his guard down after her. I believe that. And it
2: makes sense. I mean, when you think about the relationship or the lack of relationship that he has with Robbie's mom, it seems to fit the pattern that we've seen so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, great writing, right? Call back to everything that we learned from season one. Mm -hmm. Here, we also find out that Dutch is at Lompoc. And I looked it up, and uh, the fir- the first result is Lompoc Brewing in Portland. So, so there's that, and then there's a Lampack, California. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly because I'm terrible at pronunciations. But um, it is a city, so maybe he is locked up in the city. I'm I'm actually looking at it right now. It's a federal prison. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, hmm. Wonder it so will... he
2: did something above and beyond the state level.
0: Yes, yes. So that that is interesting. I wonder why they chose that and not something where, um, it, you you know maybe we aren't familiar with this location. But I when I think um federal, I think of like uh le, le, was it Leaven Leavenworth Leavenworth yeah. yeah in Kansas. So, um, but that I, I guess that's also maybe more military. I don't know.
2: Uh, well, it's located in California. Leavenworth? Uh, Lompoc. Is, oh, yeah, so. I was going
0: to say, I was like, no, it's Kansas, because um, I've never been there, but I was stationed in Kansas, and I knew that it was nearby. Uh, so that's where he's at, and they cheers to Dutch, um, and I guess the judge uh, sentenced him 5 to 10 when she actually meant 10 to 20.
2: That tells me that chances are he wasn't behaving himself in Lompoc.
0: Hmm, okay. And uh, so just a, just a bad boy, right, Dutch? He was always kind of psycho, just a little bit. Just yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, I I really wish that we could have seen Dutch, but I I do like you know, like the uh, what what we're getting uh, from the Cobras, you know, uh, we're we're getting so much backstory on on the character that's not even there,
2: mm-hmm. and it's all believable
0: too. That's what I liked about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, again, this was written by the big three, who knows these characters probably just as well as any of the other huge fans. But um, Johnny tells the guys that he opened up a karate dojo and I feel the way that he was kind of and maybe he wasn't really quite beaten around the bush. But the way that Tommy asks him, like, "What you know, what is it called? I feel like Tommy already knew he just wanted Johnny to say it.
2: And I also kind of got the impression that he wasn't proud that he went back to that name, or at least not proud that he's telling them those guys about going
0: back to that name. Specifically those guys, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that, because I don't know if he knows how they feel about Cobra Kai or where they stand the last time he saw them, because it has been a while. Well, I mean, of all of them, it looks. it always felt like
2: when I watched this episode, it felt like Johnny was the only one who couldn't really move past what happened at Cobra Kai. The other guys, they may have had some rough patches, but they got their lives together and became productive citizens. Johnny never really, you know, again, he didn't get over it. Right.
0: May have stuck in his own time. So, exactly, um, yeah, I like Rob Garrison here, uh, who plays Tommy, you know, just, uh, like, uh, what, what is it called? You know, and just a, a little glance, you know, he's not even facing him. He's a little side eye. So I, I think, to mm. to me, like he knew.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I I think they knew, but they just wanted to hear him say it.
0: Right. So we're back at the Cobra Kai Dojo, and Kreese is having the kids spar. Uh, we got a match between uh, Tori and Mitch, and Tori gets the point, and Kreese tells her to finish him.
2: I actually thought that this was a... This and another scene I thought were really good character moments for Miguel, because it shows exactly... What he's learned since the end of the last season,
0: right? I like this moment too. Um, so Miguel intervenes and he tells Kreese, "Like this isn't what you know Sensei taught us." Uh, but this scene is also very similar to uh, Karate Kid Part One, where Kreese instructs Bobby to finish his opponent. Mm-hmm. So Kreese tells all of them, basically, in real life, it's about being a winner or a loser, and there's no loser in this dojo.
2: Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes you gotta lose, right? You know that's part of learning.
0: Absolutely. So um, this is kind of like what Daniel said. Uh, Sensei does not teach like destruction, and uh, I'm forgetting the other word right now. But this is kind of what Kreese is doing right now. Mm-hmm. So we go to Miyagi Do, and Daniel asks, "What's the purpose of karate?" And I'm mixing up the name, but uh, the the actor is Nate. I think his character name is Nathaniel. Oh, the uh, the little and kid
2: with the glasses.
0: Yeah, he he answers with the the Cobra Kai motto, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, he almost stole the entire episode with just those couple lines. <laughs> right when, uh, especially his answer to "What is the ultimate lesson we learn from karate?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone seems to love uh, that moment, and you know it in an episode that's so freaking dark and so gut punching. Um, You needed something like that. We needed this levity. Absolutely. And it came at the right moment. Um, Oh, man. I just remember laughing my ass off, like watching this live. So we go to Dimitri uh, and Chris, who are finally doing physics. And they try to lift a stone. And they get into it a little bit. But Daniel reveals he needs to be a cobra.
2: And I have to admit... I've only watched K- uh, Karate Kid 3 a couple
0: times. I completely forgot that he was Cobra Guy. Absolutely. I mean, when I was watching it and this line was delivered, I go, oh, oh duh, Karate Kid 3. <laughs> yeah. So it, it slipped my mind too. Um, but, you know, I was just so invested in, in this episode, in this show, that I forget little things like that. We've had our brain farts, you know, re- recording reviews you know, for uh, episode reviews and forget like certain details in the movies. Oh, yeah.
2: We're only human.
0: Yeah. So back at the bar, the guys are trying to remind Johnny about how Crease was. And Johnny says what he's pretty much been saying all season. Everyone deserves a second chance. And we've touched on this, but not everybody. You know, if you're going to give them a second chance, at least be careful.
2: I was going to say, everybody does, you know, most people deserve a second chance, but they still have to earn trust. Yes. And I don't think Crease has come anywhere near earning that
0: no, he's just been coasting. He hasn't done anything to earn that trust back. No. Yeah.
2: And in all honesty, uh, maybe Johnny should have waited until the end of
0: class before he uh, ran up to Big Bear. I would agree with that. Maybe just, you know, call an emergency and, and uh, cut class short. Exactly. But, you know, he's too trusting in Kreese right now. So he trusts that Kreese would would do right, I guess. Agreed. So Tommy wants to play pool. But they walk into an exchange between a dude with some gauge earrings and a young lady. Um, he calls Tommy a make a wish kid and Johnny strikes first before a dude can finish his sentence.
2: You know, part of me wants to say that Johnny could have handled that differently. You know, this is just the you know the the mature adult part of me that I uh un, un- begrudgingly have nowadays. But it is still pretty cool to see those guys still able to kick some
0: ass. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it was maybe not important, but it was a nice touch to, you know, show what this guy was doing. You know, he was, he was getting handsy with a young lady, you know, and she slaps him, calls him an asshole. So. Oh yeah.
2: You got to make somebody like that completely unsympathetic.
0: Absolutely. So, um, I, I think. For me, I was just, I'm just like, yes, you know, get it. <laughs> right. I understand where you're coming from being like a, uh, adulting, right? Like, you got to do the exactly. right thing. But no, this, this, this guy probably deserved it. But it was really cool. And it was really cool to hear Ron Thomas talking, uh, talking about like the choreography and some of the ideas he had and stuff like that. Uh, one of my favorite moments is when like Jimmy gets a couple punches in and he looks at his hands like, Oh shit, I still got it. <laughs> No, I just thought it was a very well-done scene. Yeah. Um, this scene, now, I know that a lot of, like, 80s and 90s movies have, like, you know, fights like this, too. But this bar fight specifically reminded me of a movie that is terrible, but some people actually still love it. You want to guess?
2: Uh... Dire-
0: um, let me see. I don't think, no, it was not directed by, it was written by George Lucas? Well, there was a bar fight in Star Wars. so I'll go with Star Wars. <laughs> no, Howard the Duck.
2: You know, I haven't seen that movie since I was a little kid, so I don't feel right judging it. I just, uh, know it by reputation these days.
0: Okay. Well, it, it, it's a movie I reviewed. If you, anyone wants to check it out, Postalgic, a uh, little shameless plug there. But, uh, there was a moment when Howard takes a, I, I think it was a knife or something, and he kind of like rips off the, um, I'm forgetting the name of the band, but Leah Thompson and her band, you know, uh, in, in the movie, he, he had an earring and I think, I think Howard like rips it off and then like chaos ensues in this bar while the girls are performing <laughs> on stage. Well, I, I might
2: have to one day check that, that out again if I'm ever in a masochistic <laughs> okay. mood.
0: All right. Uh, so anyway, I'll move on. It, it just, you know, it started with the ear, you know, the ear rip thing. So it, e- anyway, we'll, yeah, we'll move on. Um, but Daniel, we cut to him and he sums up the events of Cardi Kid 3, uh, and probably, you know, just in case there's people that have not seen part three.
2: Oh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who hadn't seen it. Yeah. I don't think, honestly, I don't think I've I'd seen it before, uh, watching it with you last year.
0: Yeah. Well, see, there you go. So yeah, it's, it's one that pe- a lot of people probably still, you know, a lot of people haven't even gone past the first movie, right? So I thought it was important for Daniel to kind of bring this up. Even Sam mentions that he's never told her, but it's, it's nothing he was proud of, you know. But um, I think the idea also with the story is that uh, Daniel does say, hey, anyone could be be seduced by Cobra Kai. Exactly. Um, do we go to Miguel and Tori who are practicing and we get to hear a little of Tori's story. We find out that she has a brother. And a mother who was a waitress and got fired just because she was trying to feed her family.
2: Yeah, uh, it definitely humanized her a, a lot. But on the other hand, I thought that this was also a really good moment for Miguel. Because it's definitely planting the seeds of doubt. Not just with Crease's approach, but also with
0: uh, Tori's outlook on life. hmm Which she says the world shows no mercy, so why should we? hmm And... I can't disagree with her.
2: Well, I still think it's—I uh, uh, think it's a noble thing to try to be better than the people that are
0: against you. Sure, sure, um, and I'm not saying like completely, but I, I can understand. You know, that, oh yeah, it's yeah. definitely relatable. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, Chris and Dimitri succeed at Fulcrum. <laughs>
2: Do I have to wash your potty mouth out, sir?
0: Yeah, my my apologies. Um, (laughs) Now, did you catch the the little Dap and High Five thing that... uh, Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought it was just great because it shows just how socially awkward Dimitri still is.
0: Absolutely. But, you know, it actually kind of reminded me of uh, the latest installment of um, Fantastic Four. Never saw it? (laughs) You're not missing anything Uh, um i uh
2: i i let my uh co-host over on jake and tom uh be the canary in the mine shaft for that one i let him take one for the team
0: i feel it was in the trailer too but basically there was a moment where um uh miles teller and i'm pretty sure it was michael p jordan where they go for a very similar thing (laughs) so johnny and tommy they're talking around a, a campfire it's a really nice scene you know very solemn and we learned a lot of things, actually. The biggest surprise of all, that Tommy was actually in love with Allie himself.
2: It's not an unusual circumstance, you know. There's an entire uh, 80s song about that same situation, My Best Friend's Girlfriend.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then they turned it into a movie
2: uh, yeah, with Dane yeah. Cook.
0: I think it was, was it Dane Cook? Jesse's Girl, right? I don't know. I,
2: I, I barely even remember that Dane Cook was a thing once upon a time.
0: But that's the song you're talking about?
2: No, no, my best friend's girlfriend.
0: Oh, I I'm sure if I heard it, but I thought you were talking about Jesse's girl. Well, okay, we've got two songs now. <laughs> all right, but uh anyway, it was freshman year because I guess they had homeroom together, they talked all the time, but someone wink-wink struck first.
2: Yeah, you know what? And it was a uh it was definitely an alpha move on his part.
0: It was, and that is the reason that Tommy joined Cobra Kai. Um, I'm assuming for confidence because he doesn't outright say it, but because Johnny got the girl, that's why he joined Cobra Kai. And that kind of reminded me of Hawk a little bit.
2: Yeah. All right. And real quick, not to do a callback, but is the movie you're thinking about called My Best Friend's Girl with Jason Biggs?
0: Mm, is Dane cooking it? Uh, I don't know. Yes, he is. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, he is. Yes. yes. So my apologies. It's it's all the same. Yeah.
2: You see one Dane Cook movie, you've seen them all, really.
0: Well, I mean, uh, Employee of the Month is actually pretty funny.
2: Yeah, but he plays the role of Dane Cook in that movie. (laughs) Just like he played the role of Dane Cook in My Best Friend's Girl.
0: I mean, we can talk about The Rock plays The (laughs) Rock in every movie, too. But yeah, I gotcha. So Johnny doesn't think he really got over Allie. So this is where we find out that he didn't let his guard down with the other babes. Um, but Tommy, you know, tells him he's still got time, you know, at least more than, more than Tommy himself, uh, to meet someone new, change his life and do what he wants to do. Now,
2: here's my question. Who do you think he was making that confession to? To Tommy or
0: to himself? You mean to Johnny or himself? No, Tommy. So the Johnny's confession about Allie? Yes. No, no, no. About the fact that he never got over her. Hmm.
2: Because I have a feeling that that's probably the first time that Johnny said
0: something like that out loud and acknowledged it. You're probably right. Because even I'm thinking back to season one when he spoke with Miguel, I, I think the newest information about his relationship with Allie was that 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 the black ribbon slash bandana that he wears was given by uh, to him by her. Mm-hmm. So, and he's still holding on to it. Exactly. So maybe it is a confession to himself. Uh, But Tommy has faith in him because he's the champ. Yeah. I mean, the only one who really holds Johnny back is Johnny. Right. You're absolutely right. Um, We got a brief scene of Daniel and his class doing kata. And then we jump to Miguel, who goes to Kreese, and he apologizes for challenging him recently. Uh, Kreese says that he understands his allegiance to Johnny, but Johnny's a little mixed up right now. And that together, they'll get him back on track.
2: Again, this is just the uh the responsible adult that I did not want to become saying this, but on one hand, I think it's actually a, a very good thing. It's a stand-up thing that uh Miguel was respectful and apologized to Creese. But on the other hand, maybe he should have took that as a sign, you know, the whole not right in the head thing as a sign to maybe have a conversation with Johnny about what Creese is teaching them.
0: Right. Yep, yep. No, I agree with that. Um, maybe these you know, these kids just need to stop talking to Crease without Johnny around. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, um, I,
2: I think he's given them more than enough information to show that he's bad
0: news. Yeah, I mean, and, and Miguel, you know, he had his reservations as well, calling yeah, him out.
2: Miguel's not dumb. No. He, he knows that there's something not right with this guy.
0: Right. <sighs> and then we cue Queen's show must go on. Uh, Johnny wakes up to Jimmy and Bobby trying to resu- uh, resuscitate Tommy, who appears to have passed in his sleep.
2: Yep. Uh, honestly, I mean, if you have to go, that's not the worst way to do it.
0: it I think this is what they wanted. You know, the, exactly. the other covers, yeah. this is what they wanted for him. Um, he had a nice evening with Johnny, got something off his chest about Allie didn't die in the in, in the hospice care, you know, and
2: Well more importantly, he helped his friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right before he left. So Yeah. Yeah. And then we see him put into a body bag.
2: The ultimate irony.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Um What did you think about that when you first saw that, him being zipped up?
2: Uh it took me until my second viewing before I realized that he was the put him in the body bag guy. Oh okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, once I realized exactly what it was, I couldn't help but kind of grin a little bit. It, it, it's 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 a dark joke, but it's still a bit of a joke.
0: Right, right. No, I got you. Um, my first thought. So, you know, I I know these characters. I and once I saw the zip up in my mind, I gritted my teeth. Well, in my mind, I gritted my teeth and I shook my head. And in my mind, I said, "You mother." Blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, I thought – I mean, my initial viewing, I thought – I just
2: felt bad for these three guys who lost somebody who was once very close to
0: them. Sure. Yeah. It's a very sad scene, but, yeah, that that body bag, it it had me feeling some type of way. Like, oof. It it was one of those things that kick in the nut moments. They actually did it. (laughs) You know what I mean?
2: Well, I mean, it wasn't – I mean, everything was pretty much leading up to that, you Mm -hmm. know – you could tell exactly how it was going to end. So, I mean, it didn't give me that gut punch that it may have given you. Uh, I just thought that it, I think the most important scene in this entire episode between the three of, or just the four of them, was Tommy and Johnny sitting at the campfire talking about their regrets. And Tommy just flat out saying, hey, you've got the one thing that's most important. You have time. You
0: can change things. Why aren't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um Great episode. Another great yeah. episode. It's just yeah. another one that hurts. Um Season two definitely brought all types of feels. Man. And we're only halfway through. We're just starting, like, the second half. Yeah. All right. So we've reached that point in our episode where we're going to bring Brianna in for her segment, Brianna Uses Real Eggs. I'm going to tell you about my first girlfriend. Welcome back, Brianna.
1: Hello, Peter. How are you?
0: Doing good. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing pretty good.
0: Great. Um, now I hope I didn't mess it up, but I said Brianna uses real eggs.
1: Um, no, I think that's what we went with, wasn't it?
0: Okay. All right. It didn't sound right coming out of my mouth, but you know, it's been a while since me, you, Tom, since we've all recorded. Right. So I think it's what we went with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right to me, anyway.
0: Yeah. So, well, here we are, another gut-wrenching episode. Um, I called it a nut kicker, you know, in some parts. But uh, we got the return of the OGs, episode six, season two.
1: Yes. Back-to-back, um, double-episode gut-punchers, absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right. So what do you have for us in your segment?
1: Okay. Um, not near as much this time um, as the last few Mainly just because since the whole point is the first movie, I, I don't know how much of it you could consider Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing, of course is take it is the take a right, the title, um, which is Tommy's line from the original movie when they're sitting at the top of the hill on the motorcycle. That's check how it he out. yeah, take a right, check it out. That's how he tells mm-hmm. Johnny what's going on down on the beach. Uh, When we see Mr. Miyagi building the backyard, the music, again, is from the original movie. It's called On to Miyagi's. It's what's playing when he and Daniel pull into the yard in the truck. So in case you didn't realize that this was going to be Mr. Miyagi, the music is telling you, hey, pay attention. This is Mr. Miyagi. We have a brief cameo appearance from the beautiful red water bottles from the official merchandise store.
0: Oh, yeah, I noticed that this time around.
1: Yes, every single one of the kids at the Cobra Kai Dojo have one. Then we're back to the Miyagi-Do again. There's a Game of Thrones reference, yet another one that I don't understand.
0: That's okay. We talked about it.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. When Johnny is driving up to San Bernardino, uh, two very... Just kind of odd things that struck me. First of all, the the sign says San Bernardino City Limit instead of City Limits. I've never seen a sign that actually just said limit on it. And apparently the San Bernardino City Limits, this great big huge sign in California, is in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was unaware that there was a forest in San Bernardino, but I guess there is.
0: Or yeah, it's just a little, a little patch of it.
1: Right, right. There's a, little, there's a little piece of forest that looks a whole lot like Georgia in October.
0: That's right. And they, that's where they decided to put the sign.
1: Right. Uh, when Johnny first walks into Tommy's room, um, because Bobby's appearance obviously is not an Easter egg since him being there is a, the whole point of the episode. Uh, Johnny says, you're watching soccer. It's worse than I thought, which is hilarious because they were varsity soccer players
0: in high school. That I didn't, um, I, I didn't point out that they were varsity because I didn't know. I just pointed out that, well, in the first movie, they played soccer out in the field.
1: Well, it was, Allie specifically referred to it as the soccer tryouts. So it was for the team ah. and they were all seniors. So they were, yeah, they would have been varsity soccer players and she was a varsity cheerleader. Then we've got the discussion. I, I don't want to be that. Person And say that they changed it. So I'm going to say they were talking about a completely different tournament back in 1983, where Tommy beat Daryl Vidal to get to the semis. And then Johnny beat Tommy. Hang on. He said he beat he beat him in the semis. That was it. He said that Tommy beat Daryl Vidal in the semis. And then Johnny beat Tommy in the
0: finals. Correct. In 1983.
1: Right. That cannot be the All-Valley. So they're talking about a completely different tournament.
0: So is this um, something from like a book or is it from the movie?
1: No, this is is a dialogue from the movie where they announced Bobby as the 1983 runner-up. Ah. Meaning Bobby would have beaten Daryl Vidal in
0: 1983.
1: Right. So... It's a completely different tournament that's all. It's just like mm-hmm. wrestling. we have tournaments all over the state all season long, right? So karate right. they have tournaments all over the state all season long and obviously Tommy got to the finals at one of them. No problem
0: Not at all. No. no
1: absolutely not. None here. the f- <laughs> Jimmy's <laughs> first line Jimmy's first line of the episode is spoken before we see him. And I don't know if it was intentional, but it makes me laugh because that poor child, every line he had in the original movie was spoken from off screen. So everybody thinks he had no lines because you never saw him talk. So right. I, I love that we hear him before we see him because we heard him all through the first movie, but we never actually saw his lips move. Right. So I thought that was fantastic. Then we've got the scene with crease and... The kids, when they're trying, when well, when he's pretending that he's trying to suss out of them, who vandalized the dojo. And he mentions a lot of the kids' names. All of the kids that he mentions are major, major characters in the season. He he calls Hawk by name. Then he says Diaz. Then he says Robinson. Then he says McNichols, Chubbs, and Red. Either McNichols or Nichols, one or the other. There are only two major characters, major kids from this season whose last names we don't know. That's Mitch and Tori. What about Chris? Well, Chris is not in well, not the in dojo the scene, at right, that point. Right. So it's it's either Mitch or Tori. And Tori is the one when he says it that turns and looks at him with the shocked look on her face like all of the rest of them do when he says their names. Mm-hmm. So I think it's possible we may actually know Tori's last name. At this point, allegedly, allegedly, potentially, it could be Mitch. If it's Nichols, it could be either one. If it's Mick Nichols, I'm leaning toward it being Tory because Mitch McNichols is just about the dumbest name I've ever heard. <laughs> no offense to anyone out there listening whose name might be Mitch McNichols, but it doesn't flow very well from a writing standpoint and a name creation standpoint. And I think they would be a bit more creative than to give him The double M like that.
0: Mitch McNichols, if you're listening, please tweet at us.
1: No, please don't. Don't (laughs) at me. I'm sorry. At me. (laughs) Yes, at him. There we go. Uh, Back to Miyagi-Do again. And it's Chris and Dimitri, who, of course, have been getting into it through the whole episode. And Chris throws out there that he told him he can't just drop a challenge, which is Chris's line from the first movie said with a whole lot less heat and with no threat and no old man and no references to knitting class and all of that wonderful stuff that Crease had in it. Mm -hmm. And then the song, The Ride. Um, That's all I have written is The Ride with exclamation points. This is the point at which I start crying.
0: The best part of the song.
1: Uh, Oh, the only part that matters, which is the only part we know.
0: (laughs) Right, because the rest of it does not sound anything like that.
1: Right. And and that's the part that, you know, was played in the first movie. And it, it starts like as it started, as they came around the corner, it starts in the same place, it ends in the same place. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's wonderful. I love it. They get to the bar. Poor Jimmy finally got his beer. That boy has been waiting 35 years to get a beer from Tommy, and he finally got one.
0: Well, I, I don't I don't I'm not picking up on that one.
1: OK, when they pull up on their bikes... At the top of the beach, up on the hill. And Tommy says, who's for a warm one, right? And he's pulling beer out of his backpack. Tommy's, or Bobby says no, Johnny says no, Dutch says yes, and Jimmy reaches his hand out, and you can see it. You can see Jimmy's hand come forward, and then Tommy starts talking to Johnny and completely ignores Jimmy, and he never gets his beer. (laughs) Okay. So, Jimmy finally got a beer. And I'm very happy, that's awesome, right, And now we also know why Allie broke up with Johnny, and mm-hmm. I think it's entirely justified from a sixteen seventeen year old girl's point of view.
0: yep, Tom agrees with you,
1: yes, your boyfriend of two years blows you off to get drunk with his buddies, probably not going to get much better as he gets older, so it's you know a good idea to to go ahead and end it right there, yeah. Back to Cobra Kai, the dojo, sparring match. This time it's Tori versus Mitch. In the original movie, of course, it was Bobby versus Jerry.
0: That's, yeah, even I forget Jerry's name.
1: Yeah, Jerry Robinson. Robertson. Right. Robertson. I keep wanting to call him Ro-
0: Robinson. Robinson's Nicole, yeah. Or, Robinson, yeah. A- Aisha. Robinson <laughs> is Aisha. Oh, good Lord.
1: <laughs> Robinson is Aisha. Robertson is Jerry. And it's beat for beat the same setup where he's got them going against each other, she scores the point, she backs off just like Bobby did. The difference here is that when he tells her to get it, she hesitates. Bobby didn't. Right. So all the people, you know, speculating me included way back when all we had to go on was the trailer that she knows crease or she has some kind of a familial tie or or has been trained by him in the past. The fact that she hesitated when he gave her an order says that she has never met him before she walked into that dojo.
0: I agree with that.
1: Because she doesn't trust him as much as she does Johnny. If Johnny had said that, she would have done it. I doubt. I don't doubt that for a second. Yeah. And then Daniel, I, I always kind of knew that if he ever admitted that, that it would be... More a matter of him just blurting it out because he doesn't know what else to say or he's backed into a corner and he has no choice but to admit once upon a time he was Cobra Kai. And I never thought it would be the kids he would say it to, though. I always kind of thought that he would blurt that out to Johnny in a moment of passion. But I'm glad that it was the kids.
0: You know what? You actually reminded me of a question I asked Tom now when Johnny was trying to get, you know, the class to confess who trashed Miyagi Do. And then later on when he tells Chris that he has to deal with something, you know, you find out who did it, if and when he does find out who did it, what was he gonna do with that information?
1: I have no idea.
0: See, Tom went with well, he would take care of who whoever the culprit was, which I think is fair. But I think Johnny would take that information and possibly go to Daniel and say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, make amends or something.
1: I can I can see I can see both. I I think that Johnny would definitely think that those kids and of course, we know who all four of them were. um, I think he would definitely think that he needed to punish them because they besmirched his name and they made him look bad. They got Daniel up in his face. So they owe Johnny, definitely. But he is so angry about what they did to Daniel that I think that he would probably take them to him and have Daniel come up with another punishment for them on top of it. And I actually would have loved to see that.
0: Actually, yeah, I like that a lot better because Johnny would just go to him. So I like your idea coming up with giving him a reason to go to Daniel, not just to present, hey, uh, you know, I took care of it, my bad. So I like the idea of, you know, here are the kids. They're here to apologize.
1: Yes, make them apologize to him, make them paint his fence or, you know, which would be accidental training, not that Johnny would realize that. (laughs) Right, right. He wouldn't realize that. He would think it was punishment. But I like the thought of that. I I really do like the thought that, and I hadn't thought about it before just now, what exactly Johnny was planning to do other than yell at them and get very, very pissed. Mm -hmm. Um, I do know that he believed Miguel when Miguel told him it wasn't him. Uh, That's very clear on his face. When Miguel gets Mm -hmm. up and says, Sensei, we really don't know who did it. He knows that Miguel is telling him the truth. He doesn't much care about Raymond. (laughs) (laughs) But he, he does know that Miguel is telling the truth.
0: I think he believes that Raymond didn't do it uh, either.
1: Oh, I don't think he thinks that Raymond was involved in it. I just think he really doesn't care about Raymond at this point. I don't think he really gives a crap about Raymond at all, actually, for the majority of the season, Um, right up until the moment the guy betrayed him. I don't think he really gave two craps about him. He was just somebody to give shit to. Mm-hmm. in a way that was fun and entertaining for Johnny because he likes to give people shit because he thinks it's fun. Back to the fight at the bar, which is amazing. I love it. I love that Bobby is the most ass-kicking preacher on the planet. Pastor. Pastor. Preacher, priest. <laughs> they he's called all of them at some point. Yes. Uh, I think that the pastoral profession fits very well with what we knew of Bobby from the first movie he was the one with the conscience he was the one with the heart he was the one that felt bad about what they did he was the one who immediately apologized to Daniel when he realized that they had gone way off the rails and I think in a a way you know having him become a pastor and kind of atone for his past mistakes and reach out to other people it just fits very very well with him, Just like Jimmy talking as much as he does fits uh-huh. very, very well with Jimmy from the first movie, who hardly ever said anything. And then Tommy, the little shit stirrer that he was in the first movie, is the one that is speaking nothing but truth and logic and peace to everyone. And I love that, too, because these are all progressions of where you can see them coming. Mm hmm. And and becoming from where they were when they were children. And my favorite part of the whole fight, aside from the wink, which I know is also Amy's favorite part of the fight, is Jimmy's face when he realizes that he can still hit people and it hurts them. And he just stares at his hands like, wow, they still work.
0: <laughs> yep, that was my favorite part, too.
1: So, it's, you know, it's obvious that even though he's become a pastor and he's, you know, he's in the ministry, Bobby has kept up with it. Because... Of course, Ron, Ron has kept up with it and, you know, what, national champion in, in certain circles and things like this. And Bobby is way better than both Tommy and Jimmy, as he was in the movie. But just the, the sheer joy on their faces when they realize they can still kick people's ass. I love it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then we are back to Miyagi-Do again. And I don't know if this is written this way intentionally because i do not know how the big three interpret the events of the third movie but coming from my perspective and the way that i have read and viewed the third movie and what was done and what happened daniel no more remembers the past right than johnny does The difference is that Johnny remembers it in a way that makes him better than he was. But Daniel remembers himself worse than he was. Hmm. Because the story that he tells the kids is not what happened. It's not even remotely true. He did not join Cobra Kai because he got in a fight with Mr. Miyagi. His fight with Mr. Miyagi was, "I want to do it. I don't want you to, but I want to." No. Okay. I'll burn the paper. That was the fight. The fight ended when Daniel decided that Mr. Miyagi was right, and he burned the registration papers.
0: Right. You make a good point. Um. I think. Yeah. I. I, I think it's a thing where it's what thirty year. Well, the movie's different, but um, you know, the events is thirty five years, so he just. Maybe not misremembers, but the details are a little fuzzy.
1: I don't think, I mean, Daniel is messed up. Boy has PTSD. They both do. But I don't think you can forget that what spurred you to sign this piece of paper and what spurred you to go train with someone you trusted because you didn't realize that he was part of this horrible, terrible thing from your past, you don't forget. Having this paper shoved in your face four times and ripping it up or shoving it back all four times, getting your ass kicked three times, getting everything stolen from your house, an attempted murder directed at you and a friend of yours, and then, you know, several more attempted murders and threatened murders on the climb back up the cliff, then another murder threat combined with a rape threat while you're up there. I don't think you forget that that's why you signed the paper.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. But I, I feel perhaps that these are also details that he doesn't want to share with them. Exactly. And the way, Yeah, the way he's telling it is just to get the point across that anybody can be seduced by Cobra Kai.
1: Right. And he, he did make that point very, very well and very clear. Right. But he did it in a way that made it seem like he had done something wrong. Mm hmm. Daniel didn't do anything wrong in the third movie. He did everything Mm. he possibly could up to the point where he and Jessica were going to die if he didn't sign that paper. Right. And then the single most out of character moment for both Daniel and Mr. Miyagi happened when he got back with the tree When Mr. Miyagi was more worried about the tree than he was about the kid he had custody of at the time, who had just had someone try to kill him. And Daniel didn't tell him. And it just, that's what really set the whole thing off. Daniel didn't tell him what happened. And Mr. Miyagi, in that moment, for some reason, this man who had zero chill, anytime anybody looked at Daniel sideways gave zero craps that someone had just tried to kill him. That is my biggest problem with the third movie.
0: Yeah, Daniel should have told him, but I think he was just more concerned about disappointing Mr. Miyagi for the broken tree.
1: Yes, Daniel was more worried about the tree than he was about himself, too. Right. And he was more worried about Jessica. And at that point, moving forward, I think he was probably more concerned about keeping the threats to her at bay. Mm -hmm. than the threats to himself people threaten to kill him all the time at this point
0: you know he's He's used to it (laughs) right he's not even
1: he's not even 17 yet and he's been uh, almost murdered six times you know a
0: cliff and yeah 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 yeah,
1: (laughs) you're you're used to it everybody wants to kill me okay but here's this really big threat against her that i have to keep from happening but I just I think it's interesting. Neither one of them remember their pasts, or at least neither one of them tell the story of their pasts as it actually happened. And I yeah. it it immediately I mean the first viewing that first night sitting there, uh, that was something I I turned to my son and I said that's not what happened.
0: Right. I think um, you know for us to have seen you know part three over and over me. I didn't listen to the, to the story in great detail. I, I think I mentioned in the review that I, I told Tom, you know, basically it was kind of a wrap-up for those that haven't seen 3. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people hadn't even seen 2. Um, and, you know, what Daniel told was just to kind of get the idea across for those that have not seen 3 in a while.
1: Yeah, and, and the result of it was exactly right. It it turned me into an angry, violent kid. It turned me into something I wasn't. That's exactly what happened. But there was a whole lot more psychological shit going on that I, I don't know whether he doesn't want to think about it or he just doesn't realize it happened. Either way, it's not good.
0: Right. Y- you know, um, I don't know how often Cobra Kai came up prior to him bumping into Johnny in season one. But uh, again, I, I feel certain details you just kind of forget, as big as they are.
1: Well, and like he told Sam, it's it, it's not something he's proud of, and that's right. definitely not his finest moment. What he remembers is screaming in Mr. Miyagi's face and making him cry. What he doesn't know oh, is eh, that Mr. Miyagi that? then right. What he doesn't realize because he's like, I'm just lucky. He you know he took me back and he forgave me and all of this. Because he doesn't realize that every time that happened, Mr. Miyagi went to his room, got on his knees, and prayed for the kid. Yeah. Because he wanted him back. So Daniel doesn't know any of that, but we do. There was never a doubt that Mr. Miyagi was going to take him back. In his mind, Daniel was never really gone. He was just lost. Yeah. And if he had told him what was going on and why he was coming home bruised and bloody and beat all to hell every day, Mr. Miyagi probably would have done something about it.
0: Sooner, at least.
1: Yes, sooner. Once he got his head out of the out of his ass over the stupid tree, anyway. Which was a beautiful tree. I'll give oh, him yeah. that. It was a beautiful tree. He had custody of Daniel. Lucille was on the other side of the country. <laughs> and he was still 16. So somebody had to have custody of him. Yeah. You know. <sighs> okay, two more things, real quick. One, I think, may just be me. And that is you know during the montage to the song that shall not be named, the hoodie Daniel is wearing while he's doing the kata and the breathing exercise with the kids is the exact same color as his tuxedo from karate Kid part two, and
0: part two, you said,
1: yeah, at the beginning of karate Kid part oh, two when he's doing the breathing light, exercise light blue. the powder blue ruffles,
0: yes, okay, huh.
1: Yeah, the, his his hoodie is the exact same color.
0: That's that's your season one drum drumming on the door. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Because
1: it. the strings and the hood even, you know, kind of fall the same way the ruffles did and everything. And I think that was just an accident. I think that just okay. happens to be a color that looks really good on him, so they're like, ooh, let's put him in this. But yeah, that's what I saw. Last thing I have written down. It's the last Easter egg. It's the most obvious. I'm going to say it. If you don't like obscenity, please cover your ears now. Fuck that body bag. (laughs) Absolutely. But it was... It's dark. It's (laughs) incredible. It's so dark. And I felt... Like crap, because I'm like screaming because, you know, Tommy has died, and I'm I'm screaming and I'm bawling and I'm all these horrible, terrible things. And then I look up and as Chris said, Cobra Kai never dies, they zip that body bag, and I started laughing. And I felt like such a horrible person.
0: <laughs> mm, I didn't laugh. I agree with you that it was dark. I was more I, I think I was just shocked. Like I told Tom, I didn't know what to feel, but I kind of gritted my teeth and I was just like, oh, you, oh, you mofos, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but it had to be Tommy. And it you had know. to
1: be Tommy. They did not put him. They, they did not put him in a body bag. They did not grab him a body bag. They got him a body bag. I really wish people would get that quote right. Because it's on merchandise wrong and it drives me insane. It's get him a body bag. How hard is that?
0: Oh, we've seen all types of misquotes.
1: Yes. I don't understand how so few words, after so many decades, I, it, I it's kind of like with the outsiders. People still say, you know, oh, stay golden pony boy. No, it's not what he says. There is no E in on that word. Why does everybody screw it up? I don't know.
0: It irritates me. It, it's one of those uh, Mandela effects, I feel, you know?
1: I would I would hope that S.E. Hinton, even in the Mandela universe, didn't put an E in on that word and Tommy didn't scream, put him in a body bag from the sidelines, because that doesn't even make any sense.
0: No, no. All right. So, all very good. Real eggs, uh, as always. Thank you. Yeah. I. I didn't pick up on a lot my myself, and uh, you know I don't even pretend to be anywhere near you. I mean, you you are Detective Brianna, according to uh, one of our newer listeners and members, Philippe. Shout out to Philippe. Um, Hello, Philippe. Yeah. So yeah, I, this one was. I, and I don't mean this to sound negative, but this uh, episode was. Um, oh gosh, pedestrian. I don't know if that's uh, a no. real word. Like you know a lot of great dialogue and i loved how we found out so much about the characters you know uh dutch we find out what's going on with dutch right um i was telling tom that i got the impression that jimmy has at least two boys
1: well yeah because he does say jen and the boys so and the that...
0: kids and, and then tommy yeah. says tell the boys yeah so um and i, I like how like Miyagi being a part of Amanda and Samantha's life, that Uncle Tommy, as I uh, call him, knew Jimmy's kids. So I like that a lot.
1: Right. And that kind of makes me wonder, even though they didn't mention him, do they know Robbie? Have they ever met him? I mean, the way the way Johnny is talking to Bobby on the phone when Bobby calls him kind of implies that it's been years and years and years, but it also is a very comfortable conversation.
0: Right. It's, I, I, that's a very good question. But, um, you know, I, in the review, I pointed out that uh, Bobby mentions that Johnny got, you know, more wrinkles, and Johnny mentions that Bobby lost his hair. So...
1: Which did not happen overnight.
0: No, definitely not overnight. And I, it could have even happen within, you know, the 15, 16 years.
1: Yeah, easily.
0: Yeah. So...
1: And of course, the last time we had seen Bobby, he had this glorious mane of beautiful feathered 80s hair, you know, <laughs> that that uh, everyone, everyone <laughs> in California wanted in the 80s. So,
0: yeah. All right. So, we took it to other venues as well to uh, get some feedback from some of our listeners. And... Um, as uh, usual, I guess, at least the uh, last few times, I've been taking it to Twitter uh, with uh, this one, hashtag Companion206. We only got one reply in this one, and this comes from Sensei Johnny Lawrence. Um, we'll check that out. He says, Oh God, that episode made me fucking cry. You had to kill Tommy of all people? Why not Dutch? Hashtag Companion206. Well, first off, I mean the title alone if you uh, i don't think anybody figured it out right away until they saw the episode and go oh, okay take a right you know what i mean do you think somebody saw take a right and figured that it had to do something with tommy
1: i i i did do i count? Did, did you really i thought a yes. little
0: okay okay all right well you know what i, I shouldn't be surprised um but okay well, this is Tommy's episode, uh, so that's why not Dutch. But also, Chad McQueen couldn't, uh, couldn't make it, so killing off Dutch, it would make no impact to the viewers, I feel.
1: It would also make it very, very final. Right now, it's open that if Chad decides to come back in the future, he can. Right. I, I feel really bad that if Rob were to want to come back, he can't, but... Um, I would very much like to see Tony and Ron both next season, if that's possible.
0: Uh, yeah. I think, and, and and nobody else would, you know, you can't put anybody else in a body bag either.
1: R- right? No more deaths. Let's stop that's killing. Stop killing the boys. Tommy <laughs> is the last one that I will accept dying, and I'm still not really accepting the fact that he's dead in the first place, because in my mind he's still a you know sassy little shit stirrer because. That's what he is.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. You know what? Earlier today, I was thinking like, who would the Tommy be in Back to the Future? You know what I mean? Like if they brought something back, brought back the original actors, who could they kill off that would you know make me sad? And I couldn't think of one.
1: Well, when you when you think about it though, I didn't realize I was that attached. I mean, I liked him. and. It, it used to get under my skin like crazy on on the Facebook groups and the Facebook pages. And, you know, people would say, who the hell is Jimmy? And, you know, it, there's a T-shirt out there that says Johnny and Bobby and Tommy and Dutch. He's not even on it. I, I want to buy that shirt and get the word and Jimmy really big and put it across the bottom mm-hmm. because there were five and everybody forgot jimmy so i would always you know stick up for him and i've got other friends um i've got a friend on tumblr who's a huge jimmy fan enormous jimmy fan and then aaron is you know huge bobby fan and shannon is the huge tommy fan and Mm -hmm. everybody's a huge johnny fan so and then there's me over here daniel i'm like the only one (laughs) so um (laughs)
0: By, by the way, shout out to Aaron and Shannon. They they got a picture with some of the OG Cobras, and Shannon was rocking a Take a Right shirt.
1: Yes, I love that shirt.
0: It's pretty badass.
1: It is, but I I didn't realize I was so attached to them, because I was I was a Daniel girl. Yeah, you know, and I I, I thought Bobby was sweet, and I, he was my favorite of them, and then Johnny got his redemption at the end, and he's okay now too. I didn't really know how much I cared about the other three until they were back right in front of me again. And then to lose one of them that fast. And it was the one that I really didn't like because he was a little shit stirrer and the whole thing's his fault in the first place.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: And, well, I mean, he's one of many people that are responsible for what happened because he was poking the bear on top of the hill.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew exactly what Johnny was going to do. And he did that multiple times. I wasn't expecting to be as upset as I was. So if you're asking yourself who would upset you that much in Back to the Future, I don't think you would know until they did it.
0: Right. It's a good point. I mean, can't go with the obvious leads, because Tommy was, you know, I wouldn't consider him a lead, but he was definitely one of the fan favorites. Yes. So... If you think about that, I, I guess. I mean, if you think about Biff's goons, I think a lot of casual fans don't even know their names. You know, I I don't. Yeah, uh, three D match and skinhead, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I mean, those are their you know quote unquote names, but that's what he I don't calls them. The uh, I don't think their names are ever mentioned. To be honest with you, it's just one of those things you know.
1: Oh, okay, so it's like it's like Freddy's Freddie's buddies on the beach.
0: Yeah. So, I guess in the credits, you know, uh, you, right. you would know from the credits. So, um, that was our lone tweeter, uh, I guess we, we can call. Uh, thank thank you, Sensei uh, Johnny Lawrence, for that. Um, we got a rare email, you know, so uh, shout out to uh, Mr. Bill K here. Uh, this is the email where he was, um, I've never interacted with him before, And he shot us an email just wondering if the show's still going on because it had been a couple of weeks. And, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, life happens. And, you know, I was on vacation for a week and just haven't had the time to record. And, you know, Tom and I were three hours apart, so that makes it difficult, too. But um,
1: And it's 1 a.m. right now?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. See? So that's right. And you have your segment, so then I have to coordinate with you. Right. But uh, I did reply to uh, Mr. Bill here. And then I I guess he was surprised that I did reply. Uh, He says, um, Dear Peter and Tom, thank you for your personal response. I look forward to listening to your new episodes. I started listening to your podcast sometime, I believe, late last year. I believe. I really enjoy your analysis so far of each episode. So far, the second season, as well as the interviews. I don't think I ever listened to your reviews of each episode of the first season. I am beginning to do that now. I just listened to your show on Counterbalance, which was the fifth episode in the first season, which was a very important episode. I will try to listen to reviews of other episodes at the first season. I hope I can correspond with you, uh, you two guys again. Sincerely, Bill K. P.S. Miyagi Dojo never dies. Um, that's a first, and I like it. I like that. So thank you, Bill, for that uh, great email. So I, I have mentioned we're not the Cobra guys, so we do appreciate any emails. Uh And now we will take to our group page on Facebook.
1: Okay.
0: So for those that are interested in providing feedback for our episode reviews, just go on Facebook and type in group and you spell out the words period. Um, I'll mention it again when Tom and I close out the episode, but you can always find it in the show notes. You know, if you guys, um, don't remember all of the words, cause I know it's a tough one, but, uh, yep. In the group at the very top here, I'll kick it off with Rick. Uh, Rick says, roses are red. Violets can be white. It was nice to see the cobras together for one final fight. And I agree. It was a good Uh one.
1: It was, it was a wonderful fight. It made me smile. And it ends with them standing over a bunch of people writhing on the ground. First time that's ever happened. It's always been other people standing over them writhing on the ground. That's right. I like that. Yep. All right. The next is Dorian T. Number one, the OG Cobras. This was amazing to watch. Sensei Ron Thomas was a definite standout. Bobby has always been Johnny's voice of reason. Great bar fight. Number two, Daniel telling his story about joining Cobra Kai in Karate Kid 3 was a reminder as to why he hates it so much. And let's be honest, he threw some shade at the second sequel. It's not something I'm proud of, Sam. Brilliant subtext. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't even think about that. But that's very true.
0: Yeah, indeed. And very
1: funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number three, Johnny wanting Cobra Kai to be better is a reminder that you can't change Cobra Kai. It changes you. Yep. Yeah. Number four, Miguel consents that Kreese can't be trusted, especially during the tournament training. Kudos for standing his ground. Number five, the campfire scene with Tommy and Johnny reminded me of Stand By Me, Chris and Gordy talking about the future. Oh mm,
0: Man, that's a good point.
1: Number six, Daniel accepting the former Cobra show that he is more forgiving than he used to be. He is filling Miyagi's shoes more and more each day. Number seven, Robbie being protective of Dimitri shows how much he has grown. Um, I do want to I do want to say something about number four. I do love and I've said this before. I love that Miguel is the one that keeps challenging Kreese and keeps pushing Kreese. Right. And this isn't what we're supposed to learn. And this isn't what we've been taught. Right up until the very end, when he goes to him again to apologize, which I absolutely understand why Miguel did that, because Creese is obviously someone Johnny respects very much and wants around the kids because he's been letting him around the kids. But Creese knows every single one of those kids' buttons just as well as he knows Johnny's. And it's kind of terrifying how well he knows Miguel this quickly. Because he uses Johnny as a weapon to start warping Miguel
0: mm. mm-hmm.
1: and his loyalty to Johnny as a weapon. But well, he's lost his way. We need to bring him back all of that manipulative brainwashy crap that he does. Yep. And I think if Johnny ever found out that Crease used him that way, he would absolutely lose his shit.
0: Oh, I agree. It, so would all the fans. <laughs> Yes. All right. Next one comes from Philippe. Uh, It was truly nice to see together this group of friends again. Uh, The departure of the motorcycles gave me a kind of thrill. The last discussion of Tommy and Johnny reminded me, no matter the moment of your life, we have to grasp the opportunity of the time offered to redefine our life. Tommy's departure was very poignant. The young men of the time who were the stars and the bullies of the high school, are now presented in a most vulnerable and helpless way.
1: Yeah. Seeing the three of them react to Tommy's death, I think, got me more than his death did. Yeah. Which, that's that's kind of always the way it is with me, though. I mean, I, I read The Outsiders, and I'm bawling for the last three chapters. I can't stop myself. I watch the movie, and I'm fine until Dally turns around and screams and punches the wall. And that's oh, when yeah. I fall apart, you know, so it's it's other people's reactions to the deaths that, yeah. that get me.
0: But I, I do like the, you know, the um what Philippe has to say about, you know, Tommy talking to Johnny about, you know, he has more time than all these things that he can do.
1: Yes. And that he can find someone else and he can fall in love and he can do what he wants to do. I don't think Johnny has ever once in his life since he was 17 years old. Done what Johnny wanted to do, right? Yeah, good point. And that's incredibly sad. And then Ron, uh, Tommy, and Johnny's scene by the campfire was the best acting in the whole series so far. Hashtag get him a body bag. I disagree. I do too. It was very. It was very good.
0: It was very good. Um, Tommy got a lot uh, to do here. Tommy has uh, some. You know great lines, but in terms of the acting, I still give it to episode three by Billy Zapka.
1: I give it to five and it's Ralph and it's the scene. oh yeah, scene.
0: absolutely yep, so but
1: they're all they're also freaking amazing I mean Sholo is again. just Sholo is just on point with everything he does all season long
0: right I mean crease Mark Cove is making us all hate him
1: right. Which is not that hard to do, <laughs> but making me care about how much I hate him—that's the impressive thing,
0: <laughs> right? Uh, the next one comes from friend of the show, Pialani Sensei Pialani, who I finally got to meet IRL in real life. Yay! Uh, even even briefly, so. Uh, She says the emotional reunion episode. I remember how much I enjoyed the fight scene in the bar, although as a sensei, I don't advocate public brawling (laughs) and listening to the actors talk about how they had to learn the choreography really quickly. I think they shot it in three or four hours. Considering the amount of time martial artists have to learn and shoot fight scenes in a feature film days versus a series like Cobra Kai hours is remarkable. The OG four still have the chemistry and the skill. OSS. What? What is that?
1: I'm kind of thinking that's awesome. I think she's saying aws, but
0: I'm okay. not sure. Okay. And I have mad respect for them. And I agree. Yeah, I do,
1: too. I thought it was fantastic. I think that the fact that they're all still friends in real life really comes through in their interactions on the screen.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, in um, I think she's referencing Sensei Ron Thomas's uh, interview, you know, where he talks about how they had to learn the choreography really, really quickly.
1: Yeah. And that seemed to be like a recurring theme that a lot of them have mentioned in interviews that, you know, certain things were shot incredibly quickly. I mean, the big, massive, massive fight at the end, they had like a day and a half and then they filmed the whole thing in, you know, one shot. So. It's just astounding.
0: Yeah. And Paul Walter Hauser said that, yeah, his his part was very brief, too. But same thing. I I think he mentioned, you know, that was um, shot off very quickly as well.
1: All right. Next is uh, Janet H. This was my favorite episode. And to see the original Cobras together was just wonderful. When Bobby gave Johnny a hug was a beautiful moment. I was overjoyed to see them on screen again. I was yelling out loud. The whole house knew. It captured all of my emotions, and the song from Queen was beautiful. I'm not going to mention that song, <laughs> and the bar scene was great. And I hope to see them return in future episodes. hashtag Let's Ride.
0: Great feedback, Chatit. Yes. Um. Yeah, I same. You know, when uh, I I told. You know, Sensei Ron, when I saw the side of his head, I got excited. You know, <laughs> I, I, I immediately shot up from my laying position and I was just excited as all hell. And, you know, I, I had no idea that it was going to be a reunion episode. I, I was just like, oh, shit, Ron Thomas, you know. And so they kept on hitting us with all those familiar faces.
1: Uh, the, the take a right thing kind of told me. It didn't tell me necessarily that it was going to be Tommy's episode. But that it was going to be a callback. It was seeing Bobby, and then when he said he'll be happy to see you, I'm like, oh god, it's Tommy. You know, it just you you just you just know,
0: right? Well, you just know. Well, (laughs) okay, I just I just knew.
1: And I'm 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 going to say that I love Queen. I love The Show Must Go On. One of my favorite songs by them. I will never forgive them for using that song over that scene ever as beautiful and as perfectly shot as it was bouncing back and forth between crease, talking to the kids at the dojo and the, the cobras losing Tommy on the mountain and Daniel uh, picking his kids up and putting them all together. And as wonderfully as it's all done. And yes, the show must go on. We've got four more episodes. Damn them for using that song over that scene.
0: Absolutely. You know, I mean, I haven't watched it as many times as you. You're you're at what, like a hundred right now? Twenty eight. And, and uh I, you know, probably watched a fraction of that amount. But
1: So have most normal people.
0: <laughs> you know, when, when I hear all these songs, it it really takes me to, to all these scenes. So, um, it doesn't I don't get affected the same way you do, but I agree that, yeah, I, now when I hear that song, I can't even think of Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, like, I think about this scene now in Cobra Kai.
1: Yeah, and, and it's like, take it on the run, comes on the radio, you're sitting in the, the Challenger with Johnny and Daniel, Absolutely. and Mind Games comes on the radio, and you're in the Firebird with Johnny, now yep. it's every time the show must go on, comes on the radio, I start crying, and no one knows why. And I yep. look insaner than normal.
0: All the people that get to choose the songs, they do a really good job.
1: Yeah, they, they really do. It's fantastic.
0: Next one comes from Jim R. I was very happy to see the OG Cobras. I was surprised, though, by their reaction to Johnny calling his dojo Cobra Kai. I didn't expect the negativity toward that. I love their reaction toward Johnny having crease back in the picture. This is my favorite episode of the season. Seeing Tommy be put in a body bag while hum- humorous because of his line from the movie was the down point, obviously. Um, Now, he says that he was surprised by the reaction uh, to Cobra Kai. I think I, well, I definitely said it in our review, but I feel like I told you that I knew, I I felt that Tommy knew.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think Tommy knew what Johnny was going to say. I also think that Tommy knew the answer to the question, do you trust him? Right. And he knew that Johnny was lying. hmm Tommy, by this point, is incredibly perceptive. And I I like that, you know, he was the one that was always the hothead and the shitster, and I, I keep calling him that. But there's really no other way to describe Tommy at 17. Um, whereas Bobby was the level-headed one and, and things when they were kids. But then here's this flip where... Tommy, of course, facing mortality is is more peaceful and yeah. accepting of things. And here's Bobby, the pastor, who is so unforgiving that even Johnny, who probably has not set foot in a church in God knows how long and you know, possibly even to. The, I, I always say that if I were to walk through the front door of my mother's church, the place would burst into flame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I could see Johnny being like that, you know, about as lapsed as you can possibly be. And he's the one who reminds the pastor that the Bible is about forgiveness. Right. And I, I like that switch. It did not surprise me in the slightest that Bobby was pissed that he called yeah. it Cobra Kai. Jimmy, we didn't really know enough about him to know which way it was going to go, but jimmy and tommy's reaction to what crease did to johnny at the beginning of the second movie where they ran to him to protect him and try to save him where you know dutch just hung out behind the car um i could see the three of them being angry about that makes sense had dutch been there especially knowing that he spent the last however many years of his life in prison Assuming that he still has the mentality that Crease gave him when he was a kid. uh, I think Dutch probably would have been happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with that. Yeah, I think Dutch would have been the only one that's probably... If Dutch wasn't in jail, maybe he's running a Cobra Kai Dojo. I don't know. Uh, Maybe he's still with Johnny.
1: Maybe he was a professional bouncer and got in a fight and killed someone. I mean, we have no idea what he did to land himself in there.
0: This is true. And uh, Tom did look up during our review and it's a, a federal prison.
1: Oh, oh,
0: yeah. So uh, so something really bad.
1: That's basically. that's not smoking pot on a street corner.
0: Then that's <laughs> the smoking pot is a metaphor for something else. I don't know.
1: No, that's that's um, committing felonies across state lines and stuff. Yeah. That's not good at all. Yeah.
0: yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll find out one day. But um, we might. Yep, it, it's definitely a good episode. Um, all
1: right, yeah, next. Feed- I'll leave it at that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, next feedback from Sarah Dawn. Episode six was by far my favorite of the season. That huh. that seems to be a recurring theme with everyone.
0: I, right. You know what? um, and there's nothing wrong with this, but I think I mean, people enjoyed seeing the OG Cobras. Yes. You know, it gave us all the feels, and. Um, you know kudos to the the editing you know just like in episode five during the fight or is that episode four the the mall brawl oh the is mall that... was
1: in episode five
0: okay episode five so kind of like how they were cutting back and forth the fight and robbie and sam doing the wheel technique they did this with um the og cobras you know riding on their motorcycles back and forth now and also uh credit kit part one yes so yeah very effective enjoyed it so Yeah, a lot of of love for the Cobras.
1: Yes, absolutely. I was one of the ones begging for season two of the OG Cobras since May 2nd of 2018, and they could not have been, or they could not have brought a more perfect moving performance. My heart leapt when I saw Sensei Ron Thomas. Then moments later, Rob Garrison steals the spotlight, followed by Tony O'Dell. The writers, John Hurwitz, Hayden Sloshberg, and Josh Heal do such a masterful job writing and directing. And I did notice all three of them wrote this one.
0: Correct. Just like the last one, so all three wrote five and six, and Josh Hill directed five and six.
1: All the actors bring it full force, and I look forward to many more seasons to come. Cobra Kai never die unless you're Tommy, and then you get him a body bag. She said it right.
0: See, there you go. Ah,
1: uh, excellent.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, man. But yeah, it was. I I just love how the the last words were. You know, Cobra Kai never die as the bag is being zipped up.
1: Ugh, it kills me.
0: hmm It kills me. Yeah.
1: And it's like, no, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai do die. At least the decent ones, you dick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one comes from Jen. Uh, Jen's K. She says, this was definitely my favorite episode of the season. So there we go. Three in a row.
1: I I am obviously the outlier here. Um, Four in
0: a row. My bad.
1: Yeah. It. it, it, every, it this is everyone's favorite episode Except mine, apparently. <laughs> well, and I
0: love the episode, and you know, it's like you know, picking your favorite child.
1: No, it's not. Some people because can do who, it. <laughs> who picks a favorite? Who picks a favorite child? A I don't bad have a parent, right? I don't have a yeah. favorite child. Yeah. I, I do have favorite episodes. Unfortunately, this is not even in my top three. But it's because everything is so good.
0: Yeah. And you know what? this is one of my favorite episodes. I can't rewatch over and over.
1: Um, it kills me. I ball every time, but I do watch it over and over. I've seen, yeah. I've seen certain episodes more than others. I've obviously seen Pulpo more than any of the others this season, mm-hmm. and then All In is right behind it because those are my two favorites. But yeah, I've seen this one. I've seen the entire season twenty eight times. Individual episodes, more than that, and I've watched this one three in the last twenty four hours. Getting ready for this, so I've seen it at least thirty one.
0: I'm pathetic. Yeah, I need a (sighs) hobby. No, no, you're not. You're you're a detective.
1: I I need a hobby. This is
0: your hobby. What do
1: I need? I need a different hobby.
0: (laughs) I think this is a great hobby to have.
1: Oh, good. You make me sound sane because you are okay. And then Natty, uh, Serpent Blue from Twitter. Mm -hmm. one of my favorite episodes of the season it just hit me although you knew tommy was going to die it had something special it was very well done the tone the colors the music the exact words they made simple sentences like you have time to really make sense and the ending gives me chills every time the way rob garrison says you have time destroys me Mm -hmm. because uh, having lost people to that battle that we not have. Yeah, every, everyone has. And yep. that's something that they say and that they regret. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah,
0: Tommy has accepted it and he's come to terms with it. He's made peace with it.
1: Right. And he does not like that Johnny regrets his life. He does not like that at all. Because I don't think Tommy regrets his life.
0: Yeah, no. Um, and Now I cannot unsee... Stand by me, right? Yeah,
1: and the fact that Chris dies at the end of Stand by Me doesn't make it any better,
0: right? Shameless plug: I also reviewed that movie.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I love Stand by Me. I've I've yeah. seen it not near as many times as I've seen the Karate Kid movies, obviously, but I've seen it dozens and dozens of times, and I yeah, that's what actually got me started reading Stephen King.
0: Mm, interesting,
1: because I loved the the movie so much. I went and I found different seasons, and I read it. And then I got really into Stephen King and then my mom found out that her twelve year old was reading Stephen King or oh, damn. and it was like a big huge deal.
0: <laughs> that the body is not too bad. Yeah, in terms of like Stephen King novels and novellas, what have you.
1: Right. It's very good. Apt pupil was better, but um yeah, it was very good.
0: Yeah. I, I think I think it was probably for its anniversary that I reviewed Stand By Me. That's usually what I do um, over at Postalgic, so well, well, one of the more popular downloads. So, yeah, check that out if you guys are interested.
1: You'll pick up another one in the morning because I will have to go yeah. listen to that now.
0: All right. This next one comes from Mike P., uh, out there trying to pimp out Cobra Kai Companion at airports. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> um, <laughs> to
1: preachers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really enjoyed the contrast of seeing Crease start to corrupt the new cobras with seeing the OG cobras discuss how the no mercy attitude nearly destroyed their lives. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, while it would have been cool to see Chad McQueen again, having Dutch be in prison was the ultimate sign of hitting rock bottom, living even worse punishment than death.
1: If, if you're living in a federal prison, one would assume so. Yeah. Not nice places.
0: Yeah. Um, and next, I oh sorry, no, I was just gonna say like i I wonder if if at some point he considered working in cool hand Luke, you know, when he said you know, while, it would have been cool to see chad McQueen again, no wrong, sorry, wrong guy,
1: yeah, that was Paul Newman,
0: that was Paul Newman, my bad
1: uh that would have been let's see uh the great the great escape
0: wasn't it Great Escape, Bullet, sure, all of those. Okay. Great Escape is actually one of my favorite movies. You know, uh, I like the remake too, Chicken Run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Chicken Run probably more often than I have The Great Escape because I have an enormous number of children. But,
0: but it's also very well done. That yes, movie, so. very well done.
1: And next comment from Tony, Tony R., I hope Bobby returns in season three. What a great episode.
0: Yeah, I would love to see any of them back.
1: I I think that Bobby and Jimmy coming back and helping Johnny put his head back on straight would be fantastic. And since the Karate Kid Part 2 was originally supposed to feature a friendship between Daniel and Bobby, I would love to see that explored, too.
0: Speaking of Part 2. Yes? I met Yuji in person. You did. Yeah. Cool guy.
1: I envy you so much. And he cooked for you. (laughs)
0: Well, his restaurant his cooked restaurant for me. His restaurant cooked for you. But, um, yeah, I for those that don't follow us on Twitter or any of the social media, really, um, over the weekend, Saturday specifically, I drove up to Seattle to check out Yuji Okamoto's um, restaurant, Kona Kitchen. And, you know, I gave him a heads up that I was coming up because, you know, we did interview him. And he sat with my buddy and I for a good three hours and we just talked about everything. You know, the entire time I completely forgot that this man was like one of my favorite actors growing up. Also, starred in my favorite sequel of all time, of any movie, and
1: I envy you the ability to forget that too.
0: Yeah, he. Look, my friend was just saying how cool he was and and everything, and it, it made him go back and watch Karate Kid Part Two. You know, um, but yeah, it's just because. A lot of it was Hollywood talk as well, but we also talked about other stuff. You know, he had his concerns about, like, their city council, about some of the things going on over there, and it was just really cool to hear him be a human, (laughs) a human being. You know, he's not just an actor, right? They have their lives. Uh Met his wonderful wife. You know, she came out a few times, very funny lady, and, yeah, they shared stories that, Some things that may not even be out there, uh, you know, related to Karate Kid or otherwise. So
1: I I just I envy you so much. The ability you meet your favorite actor of all time and you can sit down and you can talk to him and see him as a human and have this wonderful experience because you can get over your hangups. I meet mine and I know what my shoes on the floor look like Yeah, because I can't (laughs) look the man in the eye. So it was, I knew that I, I would have been absolutely petrified. I'd have been shaking in the booth the whole time.
0: Well, I mean, okay. So when we got there, it was a little bit early. So we were having like a, a late breakfast, really. And again, he sat with us for three hours. So it, you know, slowly started getting busy. And he was actually sitting, um, well, he took the chair from what, you know, the next table over and um, kind of sat with us. Then, that table needed that chair. So his employees kept him like, "Yuji, we need that table. Yuji, we need that chair." Oh. You know, and so <laughs> so eventually he sat next to me. And that that's when I was just like, "Oh my god." You know, I didn't even I don't know if I was even paying attention to him at that point. But um yeah, I got to hear about the restaurant business and and all of that. Uh, the the reason I'm I'm talking about this now, if anyone's wondering, is because originally we were going to do an episode talking about that experience But we didn't know how interesting that might be. So this is me telling you in a nutshell.
1: Have you said, because I've been watching and I have not seen you say yet, what did you order? What were the six Ah. items on the All Six Challenge?
0: Okay. So there is no official All Six Challenge. Uh, I reached out to Yuji, said, I'm coming up and I plan to do something. I am calling the All Six Challenge where I order six items and try to finish it all. And that's why I brought my friend, you know, so we can finish it together. But, um, yeah, we just kind of took turns ordering stuff. Uh, we ordered a um, Eggs Benedict, uh, and it had Spam in it, uh, you know, spam? going with the Hawaiian theme. Yeah.
1: Is Spam Hawaiian?
0: Well, they yeah, they they have Spam things, yes. At McDonald's in Hawaii, they also serve Spam and rice. Why? I don't know. Ew! It's a thing. Hey, it was delicious. Let me tell you. Uh, my friend ordered some Korean chicken, which he didn't even want to share with me. Uh, that's how good that was. Had the Colby beef. Had the the pool, It's kind of like pulled pork. The kalua pork. Is huh. Yeah. Had that. Had some guava cake.
1: Ooh, that sounds good
0: yeah we wanted the coconut, which apparently was out, so we got the guava cake and I feel is that six? I don't know i I lost count uh that may be five or six that was, I think it was five that was five let me see what else oh uh some french toast oh so that that one was um recommended by Yuji to to get the French toast.
1: Did it, did you have any grilled pineapple? Was any Did anything have pineapple on it?
0: We, we did not. We did not. Um, I felt bad for our server because it must have taken us about 45 minutes to actually order. Because once I got there, I used the restroom. And then when I came out, you know, UG found us and we just immediately started talking. So our server kept on coming, you know, and we were holding the menus. And, and at no point did we actually look at the menus. So we kept on telling her to come back.
1: You sound like me at Red Robin.
0: Yeah. So oh God, it was so surreal. It, it was it was crazy. I when when we were done, I was like, Oh my god, dude. he told me that he was gonna stay there till like about ten or eleven. It was like twelve thirty when we oh, got wow. done talking.
1: Yeah, you you did you did tell us that if you were not up for air in an hour we should worry <laughs> and like an hour and a half later I'm like, Well is he dead?
0: <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Yes. Fa- oh, fanboy
1: death. Happy fanboy yeah. death.
0: Yeah, metaphorically. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. The next one comes from uh, Dorian had one more tidbit to add. Oh, and one more. Let's not forget Nathaniel's brilliant comedic timing. Please keep him on in season three. And, you know, this is just a guess. I think he'll be back in season three because he's part of Miyagi-Do. And I don't see a reason for anybody to be leaving right away.
1: With where they left it, and I, I i mean, we can't get too much into it because right. we're still oh, four yeah. episodes out. But with where they left it, there's only eight students that, you know, at the moment have a sensei and they have the wrong one. Yeah. Johnny's done. Amanda's making Daniel stop. So I'm scared. Mm. I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not scared. Uh. I'm not scared because I know what I want to happen, but I also know that that can't happen in season three if we want to go all the way to season six, because what I want is going to be way closer to the end. It has to be. Right. Uh, Then is Debbie H. The ultimate standalone episode. How did they get Jimmy so perfect when we know nothing about him? We just know he's the Bluetooth fruit basket. Shocked that he landed a hit guy. That's it. That's Jimmy.
0: Yeah. You know, I I liked all all of that, too. The Bluetooth, he's clearly always on the go.
1: And the fact that he has the Bluetooth means he's always talking. He's one of those people that you, like, run into at Walmart that's having a conversation with themselves. But then you look and you realize they've got the earpiece in and they're talking to someone else. And again, with Jimmy not having any lines that we actually saw him deliver, I think that's fantastic.
0: You know, um, she mentioned the fruit basket. Uh, I did notice in Tommy's room there were like two flower face things, you know, that I don't know if they were decorations for the room or did Tommy have like two other visitors come by?
1: Oh, well, I don't know. Um,
0: Yeah, because I got the impression that Bobby has just gotten there himself.
1: No, I think Bobby had been there a while. I think Bobby actually called Johnny from there.
0: He did or he may not have called them from there, but because Tommy says, oh, it looks like they got me a priest already, too, or whatever the line is.
1: Uh, you see, they already got me a priest. But it... he wa- yeah, he wasn't he wasn't surprised when Bobby walked in. I think he okay, had been there for a while.
0: So I misread that scene then.
1: That Well, that's the way that's the way it struck me was that Bobby had been there for quite a while and okay. that he called um, that he called Jimmy and, and Johnny when he realized that you know this is going to be and that actually does make sense you know yeah, it, well, if you're dying and one of your best friends is a you know spiritual leader that's the one you go to
0: yeah i'm i'm also the guy who thought that Johnny called Jen in the last episode so that
1: was not your fault that was the <laughs> messed up subtitles
0: all right, so uh nice of you to say that though. right. and the last one, uh the uh the Amy s who comes up with our uh, episode summaries, she says the look on Tommy's face when Johnny makes a joke about light stucco
1: yes, at the at the table.
0: So what is stucco?
1: It's plaster that goes on the outside of a house, uh very common in like southwest um style. Houses and things like that. They like splat it on the outside of the house, and then they hit it with this thing to make it. It's got straw in it and stuff like that.
0: So I, I, I'm not getting. Why? Why does Tommy make a, a face?
1: Oh, he he just he kind of he kind of giggles because Bobby had said that he was the last the, last he had heard Johnny was laying bricks. And he no, I wasn't laying bricks. Maybe a little light stucco. It's just the way he says it.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, The look on Johnny's face when he tells them he opened a dojo. Yes. Yes. Uh, The look on all of their faces when Johnny tells them he's reopened Cobra Kai. Yes. Yes. The look on Tommy's face when Johnny is telling them that people can change. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that whole conversation was perfect. And Tommy had Johnny's number the entire time.
1: He absolutely did. Mm-hmm. It, Johnny didn't want to answer them. Tommy already knew what the answers were going to be. Johnny knew how Bobby and Jimmy were going to react. It's wonderfully, wonderfully played. And I, I think the, the thing about Tommy and, you know, the people can change, people can change. Well, here are four of the biggest assholes to ever roam the hallways of an American high school. Mm -hmm. And they're all good men. So yes, obviously people can change. Just not that other guy. Yeah, just not him. I don't want him redeemed. I know he has he has a lot of fans that felt kind of cheated and upset because the writers had said that they were going to humanize him. And then Martin Cove, of course, had given the line about he's a little bit good and a little bit bad. And they felt kind of cheated and they were like, I thought they were, they were going to redeem him. I thought they were going to do this. I thought they were going to do whatever. And then they didn't. But I think if they ever tried to redeem crease, it would come off as fake. I really don't think there's anything redeemable about him. Yeah. Justifiable, understandable, but not fixable.
0: Yeah. And, At this rate, with all the manipulation with Hawk and Miguel, I don't see that changing anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I don't either. And I think Tori was a good kid. I think she was honestly there because she, you know, had taken the kickboxing lessons and thought it would be cool to learn something else. I think Tori was a good kid. Yeah. Until Kreese got his hooks into her.
0: And we will get there. We will. So, well, Brianna, thank you so much again for your real eggs.
1: You're very welcome. <laughs>
0: real eggs. And also uh, standing in for for the feedback.
1: You are very welcome. Once again, it was supposed to be a short one. There weren't very many Easter eggs, and we got them out of the way pretty quickly. And then, as always, I start babbling, and we go off on tangents. And...
0: But you're a detective, and that's how it goes.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what we'll you know. say.
0: You, you and I don't talk enough in the um, in, in Messenger daily. No.
1: no, not at all.
0: Not, n- not at all. No. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for tuning in again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. And I want to thank Brianna again for chiming in uh, with uh, her segment and also the feedback. So thanks for that, Brianna. Yes, thank you very much. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. And before we, you know, give all of our plugs, Tom, do you do anything else that's not Cobra Kai related?
2: Yes, uh I am back to podcasting. It's on a limited basis. Uh we're putting out about one show a month, and the name of that show is Jake and Tom Conquer the World. You can find us on uh pretty much anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Uh
0: and uh we've got more lined up. All right, awesome. Looking forward to those. Um, I also host a retro movie review podcast called Potstalgic. Um We've kind of been on a bit of a hiatus, but basically, you know, if I'm, I, I have a few episodes again, just like Cobra Kai Companion that I have recorded, just haven't put any out. Uh, but we did recently do Child's Play uh, on on that one, the 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 remake, the reboot, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we did. I think that's the last episode we put out. So if you're interested, check that out. Um, but for Cobra Kai Companion. If you want to reach us on Twitter, if Twitter is your thing, you can find us at Cobra Kai Pod. We're also on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. Excellent.
2: Uh, And always definitely uh, check out that Facebook group. I mean, it's it's gotten more and more uh, active and bigger than I ever thought it would.
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And again, that is in the show notes if you guys want to check the spelling. So I want to thank you guys for checking out this episode. And remember... You're all Cobra Kai for life because Cobra Kai never, never dies. dies. Never dies. Never dies the Show must go on. The show must go on.